Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Do it. 
Present TNT on BTR with your host, Chaotic Katie, the Dean of Wrestling Referees, Steve Kane, and Sadistic Sean David. Grab in wrestling fans and get ready because it's TNT and it's dynamite. gentlemen and welcome to another proud presentation of rampage productions proudly presents rampage rants thursday night turmoil on the evolution radio network live and exclusively live only on blog talk radio my name is sadistic sean david along with my co-host from sin city las vegas nevada hello sin Hello, Sin. Sin, can you hear me? Hello. Yes, now we can hear you. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I wasn't working for a second. I was getting scared. Sin here. Hundred percent. We are. Yes. All right. We have a lot to discuss here tonight. 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 On another loaded edition of Rampage Rants Thursday Night Turmoil, I do want to open the program. Uh, I have been notified that the late wife of Brian Pillman and the mother of Brian Pillman Jr. has passed away. I'm not going to share a lot of thoughts on this because if you watch that episode of Dark Side of the Ring, I I don't know. It's it's one of those gray areas, and I'm going to leave it at that. Um, I do want to send well wishes to her family and Brian Tillman Jr. Uh, he's a former guest of this program, and uh, we love him to death. He's a great talent. You can see a lot of his father in him. Um, we want to send well wishes to the, uh, the uh, Pillman family and, and anybody tied to that. Um, you know, death is not something we wish on anyone. I just... I'm not going to go into a lot of details and, and talk bad about the dead, but if you watch that episode of Dark Side of the Ring, you see the story. Um, we're just going to leave it at that. I so, have not watched the episode yet. I've kind of avoided it because I'm such a fan. Um, it was it was brutal. 
Um, we've got a lot to uh, unpack here tonight. Obviously, we're going to be giving you our review of AEW, not only from this weekend at the pay-per-view, uh, but last night. There's going to be a lot of other things that we unpack and uncover here tonight. Um, Sen and I are going to admit right now we're not the biggest fans of WWE right now. It's not that there's not people there that oh, we like. It's, hey, don't, 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 don't crowd me into that one. Actually, I think there's a few things they're doing right. Like if they push Cody Rhodes all the way to the title like uh, AEW did with Punk, I think that's a great maneuver. No, no, no. What I'm saying is we just haven't watched a lot of it lately to um, yeah, unpack yeah, a lot yeah. of it um, because, you know, there's stuff on there that we like. There's stuff on there that we don't. There are situations evolving backstage. Um, for the first time here tonight, we are going to be unpacking the departure of Sasha Banks and Naomi from the WWE uh, the consequences yeah. that they are now facing because of that. Um, we'll be doing everything AEW. Um, we'll be talking about New Japan and AEW's upcoming pay-per-view at the end of this month in Chicago uh, at the United Center yeah. uh, Forbidden Door. Um, we've got a lot to unpack here tonight. But I don't think it's the United Center anymore. Isn't it the Allstate now? No, 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 no. United Center is still in existence. Uh Allstate Arena okay. was Rosemont was Rosemont Horizon That's back right. in the day. You're right, you're right. It's a bigger venue. And then, okay. And then um they have actually run a couple venues in Chicago. The um there's one that's downtown Chicago, which they ran a pay-per-view at a couple of years ago. It was their November pay-per-view. But it was a really nice place. It could only seat maybe seventy five hundred, but very nice place. And then they have also obviously done the Sears Center, um, where TNA had one of their pay-per-views back in the day. I, I don't know the name of it, it's town that it's in, Hoffman Estate. Um, there we go. So I, I want to take a moment tonight not to rehash old shit, but I want to remind everybody that a couple of years ago here, um, I was slated to promote a show. Uh, this was before Steve Kane's passing, and Steve helped with, you know, with the booking of this event and, and all of that. I want to run that down quickly here tonight on kind of what happened, um, um, my main reasoning why I think it happened, and, and kind of unpack that just one more time because the anniversary of it, uh, unfortunately, was yesterday. And as I posted on my personal Facebook, this is the event that Illinois Valley fans were robbed of in June of 2019. Um, you had an amazing card lined up for this night. You had the Axemen. Uh, Herb Simmons was using these guys down in Southern Illinois. Very good-looking tag team, if you look at the graphic. Very, um, you know, just phenomenal. And then I was bringing in a tag team we were going to use in 2017 at Wrestle Wars 3, Controlled Chaos, which Crash Jackson, that guy has gone so far. I believe his uh, partner, uh, former partner, um, has retired since then, Bad Henry. But Crash Jackson, man. Big dude, this was going to be, I'm, I'm going to spoil it. We were actually going to have this match thrown out so we could do a um, uh, uh, tag team tables match in September uh, was the original plan for this. These two teams, this would have been some great shit, great tag team wrestling. Uh, Sin knows because he trained me. I'm a fan of good tag team wrestling, and it's not easy to get in this day and age. Oh, yeah, I was trained, uh, Brian Lyle trained me a lot of my in-ring stuff, 
and he pounded into our head. He was trained by Boogie Woogie Man Jimmy Valiant. So very down south belief kind of training I got. Um, I mean, tag wrestling down south is a whole other animal. There is way more psychology than we're seeing on some tag matches today. I mean, just go back and watch teams like the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, there's little things they do in there that is just missing from wrestling today. And I got my start in a tag team, me and um, um, Adam, Adam even Sin. We got our start there. We wrestled in front of three, 4,000 people at Comic-Con, you know, and went to the finals of the tournament. Uh, he went on to be in top 500 PWI magazine. We just, uh, you know, it was, uh, that's how I got introduced to the business. I had to learn tag team wrestling. So I really, you know, tell my students, watch for this, watch for that. Like you mentioned today, no tag ropes in the match we were watching. Yes. Um, Rebellion Rising was also going to uh, include the 2019 induction, uh, Icons of the Illinois Valley induction of, um, this would have been our second time doing that. The first two to go in um, were the Jonas Brothers, Freight Train Jonas and Jonas the Giant, and uh, Cowboy Bob Orton was supposed to go in. I explained that story to uh, Sin earlier today. And then, obviously, yeah. the 2019 Icons of the Illinois ba- Valley induction of the Sultan of Slither himself, Sin. Uh, he was and this was there had been several attempts by me to have Sin as a part of my promotion over the years. Um, and th- this was the last one. We were going to have Tyler Jones <laughs> versus – go ahead. I was going to say, is it kind of funny that my last run with you was almost going to be called The End, literally? Yeah. Yes. And we'll get into that later tonight. Um, Tyler Jones was going to take on the one-man riot, Frank Wyatt, which uh, Finn earlier today said looked like uh, Ralphus, um, which was one of Chris Jericho's old cronies. Okay. No, no, I don't want to bash on the guy. It's just, I was saying the picture of him was not a good pick. <laughs> he was a young Ralphus in the picture. You know, and that's not throwing judgment on the guys working about it. I've never worked with them. I'm just saying the picture was not flattering. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The following picture that I've got pulled up here was RWF Rebellion Rising was going to feature a new voice of the rebellion. Um, This is something that I became a fan of when Big Daddy actually booked Finn's wife, Mel Storm, um, to do the announcing. I thought, you know what? Everybody does the male announcer. We're going. We're we're trying to do Rebellion Rising. We're trying to be the the new alternative, the new thing. And uh, Malice Mayhem, very good looking young lady. She is the current manager of Derek Stone. Um, this young lady would have been a great fit. She was a former co-host on these programs with uh, Katie and Steve. Um, wishing her nothing but the best. She actually drove up here from Missouri after even after the show was canceled and we'll get into those reasons here in a bit um and i, I still point out one thing now one thing yeah. um somebody that needs to go to the wwe hall of fame opened a lot of door for women uh announcers um lillian garcia yes <laughs> she needs to be in the wwe hall of fame i'm sure it'll happen at some point but yeah i, I really she knocked down a lot of doors um, the original plan was the Sriracha Muchacha Paloma Star versus Lainey Luck. We were going to have to replace Lainey. She, uh, she got some bugs in her ear, and uh, we were going to do Savannah Stone, I believe. Or there was somebody that was going to fill in for this match, and it was still going to happen. Um, then we had 
Jimmy Carrot versus Marche Rocket with C Red. This was going to open the event. This was going to be a barn burner in itself. Great way to open an event. Uh, Jimmy Carrot, very hot young prospect, good talent. He's been around a while. Uh, Tim Lyle used him when he was in the resurrection of Powerhouse and uh, after, you know, the, I believe, 2015 uh, time period. And obviously, anybody that C Red's with, Marche Rocket, I mean, at that point, he was with Impact Wrestling. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, heck of a talent. Heck of a talent. Um, well, um, I remember him. There was an after party at 9th Street Pub after one show. And I can't remember who he raced, but they had a foot race down the middle of the street. It was, it was pretty <laughs> impressive. Really fast dudes. <laughs> um, your original main event was slated to be, and I believe that's all the matches that I have. We had some other ones that I don't believe that I uh, may, have, may or may not have pictures of, and I'll, I'll remember what I can. Uh, but the slated main event for this event was going to be Brew Baker against our hero, Diamond Steel, who I have known since 2011. I knew him before he went to Tough Enough. He uh, uh, was at one point, I believe, married to Jesse Bell Smothers, or they were in a long-term relationship. He traveled with Tracy Smothers. He was legit. Since seen footage of him, uh, one of the six-man tags that he did for me, this guy not only has the look, He's got the charisma, and his work is phenomenal. Um, and I thought that Brubaker and him would have a really good match. Really good match. Well, let's talk about Brubaker. Brubaker, I don't know how Brubaker didn't get seen by somebody higher up, you know, like that he hasn't gone farther. He, he is the total package. I mean, maybe he could use a couple more inches in height for the Fed, but other than that, Brubaker is a great talent. Um, I believe we had some other talent that was signed to be a part of this event. Um, I'm, I don't remember everybody's name, but those were the matches that I have graphics of and, and more than likely the matches we were going to be uh, going with. And then I'm going to steal, uh, kind of spoil some stuff that we had planned for the second event that was supposed to happen down in Pontiac in 2019 because I've got all of that sitting here in front of me. Um, that was going to be in September of 2019. Obviously, I had talked about it The uh, what did I call this? It's loading. The Zero Limits Tornado Tag is actually what it was going to be. The Axemen against Controlled Chaos, that was going to be barbaric. I, I knew what to expect when I booked that, and I kind of, I mean, I had the vision already. Um, with those two teams, I said, I can get something out of this. I can get a long, lengthy program that is really going to heat some things up. Uh, you were going to see Marche Rocket versus James Brady. I'm not what 100% sure what happened to James Brady. I don't hear a lot about him anymore. Um, then you were going to have Jake Braddock, who was traveling in with a couple of the other guys, against the Midwest bully Craig Mitchell. Now, Craig Mitchell and I actually met. I was working for a uh, promotion, promotion using quotes, um, up in Oakland, and, and I showed Sim this footage. I said, look at these guys. He's like, my God, I've never seen, you know, don't, don't take this as an insult, but Yarders with so much potential. And Craig Mitchell was one of the very good ones that went and got real training. He's back in the ring. Um, he just recently came back earlier this year and very good talent, very good talent. So we had that. Like, 
Yeah, I would lo- I'd love to see him now that he's fully trained and stuff. I mean, he looked like he had tremendous potential. Um, who ended up training him? Do you know? Um, I don't know. It was somebody out of Chicagoland area. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's uh, with Freelance Wrestling now. Um, we had our women's match sign, Savannah Stone versus Charlie Cruel. Charlie Cruel is out of Indiana. She's hot spitfire. Uh, Madman Pondo loves her. So, you know, if Madman Pondo loves her, she's a good girl. Pondo uses her on his oh, girl yeah, fight Pondo. wrestling events. Yeah, Pondo loves so many female events now. I mean, he only gets the best. Um, we were going to have Freddie Hudson, who's made quite a name for himself over in Indiana against Diamond Steel, and uh, it was going to be Brubaker versus Brubaker versus Hades one more time in the Illinois Valley was the original plan before I found out that this Dreamwave thing was going to be a thing. And that's kind of really where things started to go sour. Um, just to be honest, I'm not going to throw shade on Jay Repsol, but he knows what he did. Um, when you tell talent that I have booked on multiple events to skip out on my booking so they can come work a one-time reunion for you, I find that a little bit of a low move. But at the same time, well, like I mean, reminded it's, people. It's a, bit, it's a bit odd because uh, when Wicked opened, Jay did one of his guys working for us when he had RCW. Um, so I'm not totally surprised, but Jay had lightened up more during Dreamwave. We did a memorial show for Botches, our last show. Jay let us hand out flyers there and everything. So, um, I mean, you know, he was he was pretty cool about that. Uh, we had Ali um, right. come in and commentate with Razzo on that night. So, you know, it was cool to have a future WWE guy come in and do well, some announcing for us. Right, and like I said, Jay did this in 2009 when we originally opened RWF, I think, his main reason then may have been N. Schumann. I know those two did not part ways. When, when RCW broke away from the NWA, I don't believe that that was done amicably. I hope I said that right. Um, and look. Possibly. I don't, I don't know much about that situation. I wasn't a booker in the room, so I can't say. But, yeah, um, I, I can see that. I will say this, when I learned that I was going to be promoting an event in September of 2009, I attended Dreamwave show with Jerry the King Lawler over at the Streeter High School, I believe it was in July of that year, and I pulled Jay aside and I said, look, I said, we can settle our differences, I've got a venue booked, got my ring lined up, all of that, I need some help, and he told me that he'd get a hold of me and that never happened, and then boom, there was a ban on his talent working for me, and I'm like, Oh, man, I don't when, when RCW when RCW went out of business, Repsol approached me and he's like, "Hey, can we do like an invasion invasion and go ahead and uh, have you, uh, you know, have the other sin come in and attack me, so we could determine who the rightful owner of the name Sin is." <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. So I mean that was the plan. Um, I believe. Possibly Punk was going to be involved, too. I know Acid was. So it was going to be a big deal, you know. So that kind of fell through because he quit contacting me, and I contacted him back. I'm like, dude, what's going on? He said, oh, it leaked. No, it didn't leak. All it leaked was there was going to be a surprise. Right. Um, so, and then, know, it is what it is. Um, and then, obviously... I have talked in nauseam about my issues with Joey Grunge. I originally was going to use Joey for the ring on this event, um, but after some personal 
difference is I decided to go with Brian Blade. Now, here's what happened, just to remind everybody one last time. Um, I needed somebody for the main event after Brubaker bailed, and I kind of panicked, and I said, who the fuck can I get to come down here that may be a nostalgia act but may also put some butts in seats? And after talking with Steve Kane and, and Tony Rican and my brother and various others, we had coming up with a name, um, Egotistico Fantastico. And I contacted Ego, and I've still got the – I've still got the Twitter messages uh, that are a legal binding contract, and everybody's going to say, oh, Sean, take this to court. We'll explain why that hasn't been done here in a minute. Um, Ego told me that he would come in and work the event and bring his ring for about 200 bucks. I was going to be paying Brian Blade 350 uh, plus another 50 to work for the ring and for him to work. And I saw for the first time ever, and I'm being 100% bluntly honest when I say this, an opportunity for the RWF to turn a profit. Wrestling events are not something that are cheap to run, especially starting off. I found out, out in the first three months of RWF, we probably went through 10 grand easily. It, when you're paying for high-quality talent, when you have to rent a ring, when you have to pay for insurance, when you have to pay for a building, pay for a DJ, rent sound equipment, all of that comes at a cost. Exactly. So I, to, I told – because Brian Blade contacted me the Friday night before, and the story that I have gotten, although I've never received any copy of these text messages, there was a text messages between Tony Rican and Ego confirming everything, and I had Twitter messages from Ego, and everything was great. So I told Brian Blade, because he had an event out in Nebraska the night before, I said, Brian, I said, I'm not in a predicament to be able to pay for both rings. He said, well, I wouldn't do that to you, but I'm going to need something if I haul this ring back to Illinois. And I said, I, I don't want to go in the red here. I, I just don't. I don't want you to bring that ring and me have to sh- shortchange you or shortchange somebody else. Based on my history, I don't want that to happen. I said, go ahead and leave the ring in Nebraska. Make the trip back to Illinois because you're booked on the event, and I'll see you Saturday night. And I go down to the venue down in Pontiac with my mother, with my uh, head of security, uh, Wendy, with another guy that works security for me. A couple other people showed up, and I get sent a picture of a ring truck, uh, a trailer in a truck that had been in a wreck, and I – Contact Tony Rican immediately. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? What can I do? I am not in a venue where I can just call anybody to get me a ring. I need a low boy ring or this show can't happen. I can't do it outside. I don't have the permitting from the city to make that happen. That's going to be a process. What do I do? Now, hindsight being 2020, I could have rescheduled that event, and that's probably, in all fairness, what should have been done. But um, Miss Malice Mayhem made her way up. It was already too late for her to turn around. She had already crossed into Illinois. I said, well, go ahead and drive up here to Pontiac. I'm going to give you some money. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to help you. And uh, she was bringing a guy with her uh, oh, vendetta that was going to work the event. I said, um, you know, go ahead and you guys come up and I'll get you some money. I said, I feel bad about this. Now there's going to be other people that hear this that are going to be like, well, Sean, you didn't send us any money. You didn't make the trip fully to the venue and see what happened in the state that I was in upon your arrival. I, I, my mom and I had done payroll the night before because my mom works my door. She's, you know, 
It, it, wrestling can be a family business. A lot, of, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people have family members, friends, whatever, work the door. That's not unusual. Um, so we made payroll the night before, and that was all in the lockbox ready to go. That's not bullshit. I believe I even took a picture and sent it to Sin. I'm like, just so you know, here's fucking payroll. It's put up. It's done. Yeah. I, had busted, I had busted my ass to make that happen because Steve – to his credit, Steve Kane's credit, when the screw-up happened in 2012, I thought I was done. He said no. He said, look at all the times that Ian Rotten has buried his promotion and been able to make it rise from the ashes. You have that ability. And we had to cancel the event in 2017. We all know what happened with that. I explained that further to stand in person today. Um, that wasn't all my fault, despite what everybody wants to think. It takes money to make a wrestling event happen. And when I spend $3,000 of my own money on advertising an event, um, I expect a, a good pre-sale for that amount of money. I think anybody would, and it just wasn't there. And I was not going to put myself in a situation to repeat 2012 all over again. So getting back to 2019, um, I was left with no choice. I could not get another ring. Uh, a lot of people said, well, Sean, you could have called Joey Grunch. He had a show earlier that day at Peoria Mall. Um, I could have called him. He probably would have saved my butt. But you know what? I didn't want to put up with Joey's BS or drama. I knew that Sin and Joey had history, and Sin was scheduled to be there. I didn't want to go down that road. Um, I, you know, I would have been a professional about it, honestly. But I, I don't know that he's the kind of guy that you necessarily want to trust anyway, to be completely right. honest. Well, I used him at the last reader show we did in 2017, so I knew he was trustworthy in that regard, that if he, if he said he would bring in the ring, it was coming. Uh, same with Brian yeah. Blade, because I'd rented his ring before. We had gotten into the situation. I couldn't get another ring. No ring, no show. It's, it's as simple as that. Um, then, while uh, Just Blue is her real name, but Malice Mayhem was at the venue, she gets a message from Matt Winchester out of Wisconsin, a.k.a. Beer City Bruiser, a.k.a. Dinty Moore, claiming that the picture that was sent to me and I was posted on our Facebook was from Bruce City Wrestling a year prior. Yep. And that's kind of when everything kind of went up, and I said, you know what? Um, this, is, this is bullshit. These fans, I will be honest and say this, because I actually showed uh, the, the receipt to Sin, I said, we did our biggest pre-sale. Max capacity for the venue in Pontiac was 230. We we were so close to selling out, it wasn't even funny. And this meant, like, and and, and I'm going to call a spade a spade here. I believe that Jay Repsol at that point was afraid of what I was going to be able to accomplish. I don't know that he wanted that for me. Um, Because there had been years, Sin will tell you, for years I was trying to get in this area and run and bring give back to an area that I had given myself a lot of. I also know how dedicated fans were here and how much money was spent by fans from 1993 to, you know, now there's been a lot of money spent by fans in this area to see wrestling. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to bring it back. I wanted, I wanted not just everybody thought I wanted to be the kingpin of the Illinois Valley. No, 
I wanted to produce a product that the Illinois Valley could be proud of again because Sin will tell you in the first year of RCW, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing about it. Back in the day, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing about what Powerhouse Wrestling was doing. And I'm not talking PWS. I'm talking original Powerhouse. It's not like yeah. that here anymore. It's not. No. And and I – look, we planned this date because um, actually, in all honesty, Dreamwave had closed, announced their closing before I did my first event in this area in 2016. I did not know at that time that AAW was going to come in and try to fill the void, but they've left and didn't really give two shits about this area. They just, oh, we can put some money in our pocket. Cool. I never looked at it that way. I always saw this as a hotbed. I always saw the tradition here, and I believed that the tradition of this area needed to be respected and represented well. And that's why Rebellion Rising was booked. I didn't know. I began booking Rebellion Rising like on Thanksgiving of 2018. That shows you how far out I had this plan. And if you all go back and listen to some of our previous podcasts, in that summer I was talking to Sir Mo. We were talking about doing things on this program. I had it in the works. Yep. I, knew, I knew what I wanted, and I busted my ass to get it. And because of Egotistico Fantastico, Whoever sent him the picture from Wisconsin and Joey Eastman and his bunch of circle-jerking idiots, that show was destroyed. Yep. Yeah, it sure was. I was. Joey, I was getting ready to drive up, got the call, saw the picture myself that Ego had sent. Um, yeah, what, what can you say? You... You know that Ego, we do the shit list here, and Ego is one of a hand. I can count the number of people on one hand. Ego is on there. He's on my shit list. So, you know, um, it's another case of Ego being Ego to me. Um, it, 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 now, I was given the reason this was done because Mr. Eastman believed that I had gotten on Chicago Pro Wrestling, which I, I don't post on. I haven't posted on since about tw- – 2012 it's a shit board uh back in the day chicago wrestling uh was a website they'd send uh people that worked under them out to the shows to review them it was a great thing and originally the message yeah, boards, it was really you cool. know the originally message boards were cool until you started to get tropes and that's when i left but eastman believed that if he was able to get this show canceled that I made an agreement with him that if it was canceled, I would pay Ed Schumann's family the money that Ed Schumann invested in the 2009 uh, Trick or Beat event with Steve Carina. I would never put myself in a predicament to make an agreement like that. First of all, his allegations are not true. And secondly, um, anybody that knows my history with Mr. Eastman or this program's history with Mr. Eastman or even Sin's history with Mr. Eastman knows um, I, I wouldn't agree to that. I don't think anybody that, that has ever been uh, associated with this program ever would. So the matter is, Ed put money in, Ed got money out. Mr. Eastman was not at the third event where a check was cut to Mr. East, uh, 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 to Mr. Schumann on the differences that him and my backer had put into the second event. Eastman tried to claim that Ed funded the whole second event. I'm here to tell you, and I can, I can pull the 
stuff out of the file cabinet. That's not what happens. So because of his strong dismay for me, because of his strong dismay for my brother, because of his strong dismay for anything that I tried to do, he sabotaged this event with ego and, and maybe God only knows who else. Um, I blame Repsol for Brubaker and, and that talent canceling. I blame Brubaker for bailing because he was one of Jay's boys, which led to the downfall of me having to book ego and, and that whole thing transpiring. Um, you live and learn. You, you, you have to live and learn. But I'm here to tell but you this. I is- do want to say this, though. I do want to say this. When you said ego was getting the ring, did I not say be careful? Yes. <laughs> yes. But, again, with him texting with Rican, and I'll never know if Mr. Rican was in on this or not. Nobody, I think, will ever be able to find that out. Um, like I said, he had been texting with Rican. We were all under the assumption everything was hunky-dory. And I had heard some things about ego through you, through others, you know, through the grapevine of working up in the Chicagoland area and, and, and having done this the last 20 years now, I had heard some things. But I've always been the guy to benefit of the doubt. And, I, you know, Sin will tell you how much I busted my ass around here. I mean, I literally remember seeing him at one point. I'm like, yeah, I'm putting up posters. <laughs> yep. You know, that was – you remember the wicked days? That's what it always was. Hey – you know, it's about four. This year. It was always a month. It would be like we'd finish one show, and then the next week we'd be putting up flyers. <laughs> that and that's flyers the way it's got to be. Yeah. So um, that is not our shit list tonight. I just wanted to unload that. There were a lot of people that were pissed that that didn't happen. And uh, honestly, the reason this is not going to court, it's not that the court filing fee in LaSalle County would cost me that much. That's minute. I believe that Ego is the type of person that would be the type of guy to duck being served. And anytime they would go to serve him and be unsuccessful in doing so, I have to pay to have him reserved. I don't oh, have money course. to, 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 to well. chase a rat. Right. He's not, worth, he's not worth garbage. He's not worth all the crap you'd have to deal with him. Because I'm, I'm going to straight up say it. Ego is always – he. I, I know he's a thief. I know he's stolen from places. His friends told me when he did it. So I know that he's stolen from, uh, from a venue that I was running at that he wasn't even booked for. I mean, the guy plays stupid practical jokes on nights that are connected to a funeral that we, we were showing respect to Steve Zokes at. Um, and Machine was so mad at him about that. The guy is just a classless piece of garbage. I mean, it's it's really – that's what it boils down to. And unfortunately, you know, um, because I'm going to say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this spade a spade. I believe that even Rebellion Rising at its weakest points with some of that talent bailing could outdo anything that Powerhouse Wrestling Extreme could even try to present. They don't get it. They didn't get it then, and this is why. This is why people begged me. They said, "Sean, please, please do something about this. 
revive the Illinois Valley, and I believe this is why Dreamwave is coming back. I don't know that it will be a full-fledged return. Being honest, because what Powerhouse Wrestling Extreme has done to the Illinois Valley wrestling scene, they have knocked it on its ass so far back, it's going to take somebody a good two years of solid running here. Solid running. With um, solid anything short of Dreamwave. I, I honestly think Dreamwave has the capability of bringing wrestling back. I, I don't know that they necessarily want to at this point, but you know what I mean? Um, I think they could. I just think I they have enough clout in the history. Just my I, uh, opinion on that. I, I don't, you know, I just don't know that there's anybody else. Everybody's like, well, Sean, you seem to have this magic formula. I have a good formula and Sim can, can attest to that. But yeah. without the right support in the area, without a building that is going to be behind us, without the right sponsorships, it ain't going to happen. That's nope. what it boils down to. You have to make people here care again. And if you can't do that, yeah. it won't work. 100% agree. There are people that say this area is dead. This area is not dead. This area needs no, a breath of fresh life breathed into it and a reminder of the tradition, the history, and, and all of that that has happened here in this area. That's all it'll take. Solid advertising on the first couple of events to make people care, maybe a name here or there. Make people care. Let's not make the same mistake of bringing in a name every month. I think that spoiled the fans to begin with. Um, but let's, let's build a product here again that people will give a shit about that. They'll, they'll leave one show and they'll be talking until the next one happens. And it's not going to be sports entertainment bullshit. It's not going to be a bunch of guys that want to be spot monkeys. It's going to be cold, hard, legitimate wrestling. The way you would have seen Tim Lyle presented in the 1990s to early 2000s. Simple as that. Good guy, bad guy, um, a a point to the match, good storylines, good storytelling. Um, I'm going to give credit where it's due. One of the best angles that RCW ever did was actually the brainchild of Kurt Razzo, and it was actually a spinoff of something that had been done uh, many years prior in the uh, Who is the Mass Man? And I don't know that you were around fully for this sin, but – they did that, and, like, this was when Chicago Wrestling and Midwest Marks was still a thing. That was the hottest thing on the Chicago Wrestling scene, and uh, the Midwest Marks site was, who is the mass man? Everybody wanted to know. They did a really good job of keeping it kayfabed. And, I mean, my God, you know, that was genius because you've got people that are literally going to pay to see who this guy is. They want to know. They want to know who attacked their hometown hero last it fucking genius idea yeah right i totally agree i mean it's it's one of those things you've got to have the right people that understand it and and too many i've said it before and i'll say it again we've got too many chiefs that should be indians and not enough chiefs that actually know what the hell is going on and a bunch of a bunch of indians that were never trained the right way they don't have respect they don't, they don't understand tradition and history enough to actually care about it. I think that's where we're at. Um, Sin, anything you want to say uh, in this 
next couple minutes, we're going to take our song break and uh, we'll get back to our review here. I just, I had to get that off my chest because it, you know what? Um, but I also do want to uh, say this. Um, 2017 was actually the last event that was successfully promoted with Steve Kane. Um, that was the one in Streeter. Uh, that was the main event of Gavin Alexander, Richard Faith, and Cody Jones. Cody Jones against Tyler Bodine, uh, Diamond Steel, and the late Tracy Smothers. And I will never be able to repay my debt of gratitude to Tracy for coming and being a part of that event. Um, you know, I guess what it comes down to, um, it appears Dreamwave's going to be doing another show. That's good. Um, um, I'm looking at doing some stuff maybe in the Spring Valley area. We'll see if that pans out. Um, I, I'm not looking at running any kind of full-time show again or anything. I'd be more than happy to do some spot shows here or there. Um, I have enough contacts. I don't own a ring anymore, but I can get one at a reasonable price. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, I think it's doable. I wouldn't be getting back into it if I didn't think it was doable. And, and there you have it, folks. Will we be seeing a return, a rebirthing, a revision of Wicked Wrestling Alliance with some old faces, some, some familiar faces that have maybe never been in Wicked, and some new faces? We'll have details on that between now and probably the end of this year. Um, it's, it, I'm, I'm excited. I hope, you know, that this pans out um, because, look, I never got to work for Wicked. I trained there, but I, I was never given the privilege of being on a Wicked event, and it's something that is on my bucket list if it does happen. Um, even if I do make this move to California, I will be back for this. Well, I'm glad to hear that that we uh, managed to touch some fans that, that well, especially you. It's cool that you'd be coming back in just to uh, be a part of it. You know what I mean? And uh, some other guys out there after our last show felt the same way. Um, guy that goes by the name of Trauma. Um, what's, what's his uh, – he's been in movies Jay Wa- too. Jay Washington. Jay Washington. Yeah, Jay Washington is his actual name. Um, some of you might know him. He was in the movie Chirac, pretty popular indie movie. Um, he doesn't live in Illinois anymore, but uh, he might make the trip down for it if you know if he's available. A lot of so, things. I mean, that, that, and, and I mean, I mean, that's just it. There are opportunities here. If you're looking for a, uh, I'm going to state this here and now, and and send just. Don't think I'm stepping on your toes or, or, you know, putting you out there trying to put your neck on the line. But if you're somebody that runs a fair festival or you have a bar or you have an entertainment facility and you're looking for solid entertainment, I want you to consider professional wrestling and I want you to consider it with Wicked Wrestling Alliance. Um, Despite what anybody that may say, these people managed to raise a lot of money for various causes over the, the years that they were in business from 03 to 08 in their initial run. Um, they've got connections. Some of the best talent has passed through their doors um, on, on the independent scene and even on the big scale. You know, we were talking uh, here earlier about Jerry Lynn and um, earlier today about Jerry Lynn and Mosh and, you know, how Gangrel was supposed to pass through there. I mean, you can say what you want. I'm here to tell you I was at every Wicked show. 
from the time they opened until the time they closed, other than one. It was in Chicago. I could not get back on the original, um, or maybe it was, yeah, the original Botch Memorial show. I Trains were only running certain times, and I'm, I'm texting my brother. I'm like, please tell everybody there, I'm sorry I'm not there. I cannot get a train home right now. Um, or I would have been there. And, and even, you know, in Sin and I talking today in passing, there were people that hadn't really worked in a while that came back to Wicked to be a part yep. of that memorial event for Botch. That's how much Botch I meant think, to everyone. I've been going through a lot of footage lately. And, uh, you know, I remember the Ottawa show very well, just a lot of the guys that came in. But uh, I got to admit, I was going through a hard time in my life after Steve passed. It was, I had a real hard time dealing with Steve's passing. And uh, I'm not Steve King, so right. I was struggling with that. And, uh, yeah, we did a charity show for him. We did it in a smaller venue um, because we wanted to raise a little extra money for his daughter right. Um, right. for a college fund. Um, that was kind of our smaller um, first show we did in his memory. It was fresh off of him passing. Um, I went back and watched that show. And uh, when Mel came out and announced to the crowd that he had passed, um, I don't know, man, I just became so emotional. So many things coming back to me, you know? Um, I I remember the last match he worked for you guys, because I was at that event um, where – like literally Mel or somebody came over to me and they said, look, you're one of our trainees. We want you to be a part of this. And the locker room clears out and we're just standing there watching the match uh, that he had with machine. And it, I didn't know fully what was going on, nor sin Mel or even my brother who was very close to botch would tell me what was going on. Um, It was hard. Steve and I did not, you know, he was a minister. I'm a gay man. There's, there's that whole dynamic. But he showed me respect and love. I don't think you differently for that, though. I don't think Steve really looked at you any differently for that. You no, know what I mean? That's what my point thing. was. That's what my point was. Even as a gay man, he showed me love and admiration and respect. And if I needed to go to him for advice, if he was down here at a Wicked event and I needed something, or I was like, hey, you know, I just had a question on this. He would take the time to listen to me. Now, that says a lot not only about him as a performer in the ring, but as a minister. I want you, everybody yeah. to hear that because Finn will tell you I've gone through turmoil with my father, who is a minister. Um, I, don't, I, I use that term loosely with my father. But um, Botch, the, the amount of respect that he had was just awe-inspiring. And, and everybody's got to go back and look, yes. Um, my brother, I believe, met Botch through Machine, and, and Botch was brought into Wicked, and my, uh, Botch and Machine teamed on the only show my brother ever promoted. You know, there was history there, and it was very hard um, to see him go through that, and, and even, even his connections with Tim Lyle and Powerhouse, because at the time that he passed, I believe he was a Powerhouse champion. They had to hold another tournament. No, I, no, I take that back. I actually take that no, back. No, no, he was booked at Powerhouse before us because uh, he wasn't working with him when he was working with us. Not because I said he couldn't. He just chose not to. Um, I do remember that he 
relinquished the title, I believe. I, I know Crime Fighters got footage of this because it was one of the shows down in Lincoln that uh, Botch had helped them get the, the venue for. But, um, you know, that even says a lot. He, he, when, you're, when you're a promoter like Tim Lyle that has been promoting since 93 and probably even been working even before then, and you're looking at a guy – and Botch was a great-looking guy. Like, not, not even from the gay aspect, just as a, pro, as a promoter's standpoint. He is somebody that you wanted oh, yeah. on your roster. Oh, yeah, and uh, I'll tell you what. Out of all the names we brought in, the best match I think we got out was this tag match that was Angus tagging with Al Snow against Botch and Kurt Rigsby. When Botch and Al Snow got in the ring, it was magic. It was like watching Al Snow working in WWE. Botch was maybe a little bit bigger than him, just as food of a wrestler, super powerhouse. Those two in the ring together were, were total magic. And uh, I'm sure um, if I showed some photos and I look back on it, you'd probably remember it. It was a pretty memorable evening. Yes. Uh, that is the night that uh... – <laughs> Uh, yeah, there was a, that was unfortunately the night the revolution closed. They decided to go head to head with Wicked when Wicked had Al Snow. They had Just Incredible, and um, unfortunately for RCW, I believe they would have lived to fight another day. But there had been so much irreparable damage done to that company, there was no bouncing back. We were in Lab that night. Uh, Wicked was in at the Lounge in Peru, Illinois, not that far of a distance, maybe ten to twelve miles. I don't know. I, I just – I don't know. Um, Sin knows how emotional I was when I came to the bar that night. I was able to watch the main event even from the doorway of the bar. Couldn't get in, but got to see that. You were an old uh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Um, and, you know, people are like, well, companies open and close all the time. Yeah, but this was different. When you give years of your life to a promotion that you watch explode before your very eyes and – produce matches like a CM Punk versus Raven or Bam Bam Bigelow or just being a kid, being growing up with that and then seeing it like just die in front of you. It, it, it was horrible. And the same thing happened, unfortunately, a couple of years later with Wicked. Like I, I had gone back to San. I'm like, hey, I'm getting booked over at this place in Spring Valley. Maybe we can work something out down the line. I, they were getting ready to book their uh, – they had done their August show back at the um, uh, Mexican restaurant and Mexican bar, but um, they were getting ready to do their September show. And I had a booking that September. And I remember logging on to wickedwrestlingalliance.com and seeing the news that, you know, they, they had folded and my heart stopped mm-hmm. again because it had stopped when RCW closed and it kind of stopped again. And I'm like, man, like, I mean, people I have, truly believe Wicked would have never, would have never like stopped. Um, if not for my wife getting ill, and that's not her fault. That just happens sometimes. No, absolutely um, not her fault. She was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, and she just couldn't keep up with the kind of schedule that we were running in Wicked. Because, um, I, I mean, running monthly shows and then also making appearances two or three times a week when you're doing shows for everybody else, it wears on you. Maybe I could have kept doing it without her, the shows away, which I did for a while. But there was no way we could keep up the monthly shows here after she was diagnosed. And uh, she just needed to settle in, get a break, get her footing again. And uh, we're in a pretty good place now. So my, now might be the time. 
And and we have learned, uh, I believe Sin has learned this in the wrestling business, and I know in my 20 years I have, you never say never. Yep. Um, so we're going to come back here and uh, kind of talk about a review and, and more stuff. We'll probably may roll into a little bit of OT tonight, but um, we're, we're just going to let this roll. Katie is going to be with us. I want to give everybody an update on our, our lovely warrior, Chaotic Katie. Um, these chemo pills are kicking her ass right now. She's, she's at nausea to the point where she can't really do anything other than be in bed. And that's not a knock on her. And I know she's probably going to be upset with me for saying this, but I want to give everybody an update. She will be with us. Uh, she's a fighter. I've learned this about this woman. I've been doing this podcast with her now. It'll be nine years in September or, uh, October, nine years in October. Um, you get to learn people. When you're on the, uh, we were at one point doing two programs a week, so we really got to know each other. I love that woman with all my heart and soul. I wish her nothing but the best, and I know she will be back here hopefully very soon. So, um, you know, chaotic Katie. Um, what we're actually going to do, I don't do this too often, but we're going to take uh, two song breaks tonight, back to back. One is going to be our uh, what I have chosen. And then obviously one will be dedicated to her. So, Sin, you got a couple minutes, get a uh, get a drink and stuff. And uh, the first one is of Mice and Men, their take on the classic money.
Money by Of Mice and Men, and the following song is for Katie. Uh, I wish she was here because she'd tell me what band it is by, but Katie will always be this program's punk rock girl. Entertaining action that attracts a crowd and provides excitement at a fair or festival. The right promotion will have professionally trained talent with professional grade ring gear and equipment. Fairgoers will want to see more of them and attend ticket events in the area. Bringing the wrong promotion, not vetting their credentials, you could end up with an embarrassing disaster. The talent may have no ring gear, little or no professional training aren't family-friendly, and perform so poorly, you'll wish they'd return to the backyard they came from. Burned organizers won't chance bringing in pro wrestling ever again, shutting out legitimate promoters. And the fairgoers, if they want to see wrestling, will only go to WWE events. If you want live professional wrestling at your fair or festival, don't get burned. Check their credentials before you book. A public Yes, that is a public service announcement from our friend and correspondent he is the mad conservative how do you say it sin crime fighter yes um 
And we've got an update on that. Ladies and gentlemen, you know that uh, Steve Kane's induction was at Melson Family Wrestling in Marengo. <clears throat> I believe that was, oh, God, I, I just lost track of time. Um, that was within the last couple months. And, um, you know, we have uh, seen a match aired from that that I had, that I'm not going to say had to referee, that I refereed uh, Cody James versus Joey Mayberry that Sin saw quite a bit of today in uh, – Sin, what were your thoughts on those two talents? Trained by Steve Boz and Jason Hades in the uh, uh, Chicago-style wrestling Trained academy. Trained by two very talented wrestlers. Came out very talented guys. Um, wow. Uh, one straightforward kind of PA wrestler. And you got the other guy who's really just, I mean, he, he's a good wrestler, but he's just straight up a excellent entertainer on top of it. Um yeah, they, they went out and they put on a super entertaining show. I kind of feel bad because they didn't have the crowd that I think they they could have worked with really well. The crowd was a little bit small. They had a little bit more to work with. I think it could have been a little more impactful, a little bit cooler. But, um, you know, I mean, hey, uh, it happens sometimes. It does. And uh, more matches from that are going to be coming this weekend. I've got to check with Crime Fighter to see – uh, what is airing, I believe it will be Frank the Tank Nelson's final match that will be making its way to the airwaves on uh, PWCI this week. So make sure you look out for that. Um, again, man, got to give my props to the whole team down at Pinfall Wrestling Association uh, last weekend, uh, or the weekend before last, rather. They were able to pull off a big one um, in, in drawing over 350 people in Springfield. Um, that's huge. A lot of people didn't ever think they'd see that day, and I'm here to tell you, because Crime Fighter confirmed it, New Midwest Wrestling, uh, give credit where it's due, even though I don't really care for the individual. Justin McIntyre was, at one point, the head booker at New Midwest, and, and they were able to get some shows of uh, three to 500 people, and it looks like that's finally on the rise for PWA. Uh, this last show that they had was their 10-year anniversary event, and um, I'm, I couldn't be happier for him. Matt Cordona scheduled to make his way to PWA in September. However, um, there are reports that he has been injured. He's going to need some surgery. I don't know that that will impact this booking, but uh, we will keep you updated with any updates as we are given them. <clears throat> so, with that being said, what I want to start with here tonight is the AEW pay-per-view, but I want to kind of backtrack a little bit and remind everybody that AEW's ratings have been dropping in some um, areas. So what I'm going to do now is re-pull up the rating for last week and see if I can get more accurate numbers for last week. Um, which would have been May 25th. Um, total viewership, 929,000. But the what really matters is this. Um, and I'm going to have to find, do a little bit more on my Google machine. Segment. Um, oh, I guess I'll talk about uh, AEW right now then while you're still looking. So, yes. yeah, they finally strapped Punk. That's what needed to happen. I think we all know that. 
Um, uh, that that is no surprise to me anyway. Um, I don't know how to put this. Uh, I'm just still not impressed with Hangman Adam Page. I'm just not. You know what I mean? Right. All right. But that's just the way it is. Okay, here we go. This should be in the system. And okay. So, for AEW, last week, make sure I have the right date on this. Uh, Wait, wait. Okay, maybe I don't have it. Um, Segment. Segment by segment, you can get a rating on this, and you start to see that AEW, in, in, when certain people are in the ring, things go down. Um, things go down quite frequently when there are certain individuals in the ring. We talked about this here, I believe, last week or the week before this, last uh, May. 25th, 2022. So, um, this was the first time last week that Dynamite drew under 900,000 viewers, uh, I believe since 2021. Um, That's not a good thing. Here's Here's the thing. When you have people that are in the ring... And they're causing your segments to drop. We, like I said, we talked about this with the Jericho Appreciation Society thing and, and, and all of that. If that continues to happen, and I believe it was reported by uh, Eric Bischoff or even Jim Cornette, one of the two, that you know your, your key demographic during one of those segments drops below 400,000, you're in trouble. And that's all it boils well, down to. Especially considering they keep writing about this Friday night war they run, they won. Oh, they uh, won the me... Friday night war. Are we talking about the Friday night war when WWE has like how many million people watch? <laughs> you know? Because you know what? You may not have an individual tonight for your shit list, but you have you you have a complaint that it it warrants the shit list. So here Except we go. You know what? You just made the list. Oh no. Oh, no. 
And I just have to give credit where it's due again to the late Steve Kane. He managed to merge those two clips together to give us Chris Jericho merged with L7. You just made the list. Yeah, well, you can't get better than L7 and Chris Jericho together, right? I want to see right. that tour. Let's do Fozzie tour with L7. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so uh, what, what are you considering a shit list, please? Uh, I, I want to know more about your uh, complaints about this Friday Night War, we're going to divulge this um, thing that oh, okay. uh, Jim Cornette divulged. Um, because here's here, let's, we're not going to get into the review of the pay-per-view just yet. I want everybody to understand that. The following weekend, wrestlers probably were in Las Vegas. I'm not sure where the, paper, uh, the last Thursday's uh, Dynamite was, but uh, Wednesday's Dynamite. They had Dynamite, which they tape Rampage for at Dynamite. We, we've confirmed yeah. that fact with what happened to Brian Danielson a couple weeks ago. But yeah. they are either – they're already in Nevada at that point gearing up for this huge week and of events, or they're on their way there. So we're going to assume yeah. that the wrestlers got into Nevada Friday. All things considered, we'll, we'll say Friday. They were there Friday, Saturday was FanFest. Sunday, they probably had to be at the, at the building probably about noon. God only knows what time Tony Khan asks his wrestlers to be there. But we know kind of how things go if you're with Vince McMahon in the WWE. They want you there at a certain time. Exactly. That pay-per-view, because I had somebody come over during the main event, so I missed some of the main event. Um when I looked at the clock and it was like 1130 and the main event hadn't even gone on, I said, I'm done. I said, this reminds me, and I, I believe I told Sim this story, and I've kind of told this on air. Um, one of Iggy Kowalski's brain children, when he was working with other promoters, they might have been still a part of the NWA during this time, but they were on the outs with getting ready to be on the outs within the NWA. Anyway... They ran a show down at the banquet hall that is uh, synonymous here in LaSalle earlier in the day. I believe it was a 1 p.m. bell time. Lenny Lane made a surprise appearance. Nobody fucking knew he was there. I did ring crew. I didn't know he was there, Sin. They they announced (laughs) Lenny Lane, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you guys have a WWE. How did you ring crew and not know that one of the workers is on the card? That, that's some good work by the promoter. He he hid that crap. Um, I believe that. <laughs> so, but they did this because they expected fans to drive 90 minutes to uh, Highland or Hammond, Indiana to go see IWA Mid-South later in the night. Now, there were people here that had been training with Punk and Ace Steel and Colt Cabana and a couple others like Seth Rollins. Um, yeah, nobody's ever heard of him. Um, but they decided yeah. that they wanted nobody. They decided that they wanted to make the trip over to Indiana, um, and they let me tag along. And this is when I met Mickey Knuckles and met J.C. Bailey, who was just a, such a kind young man. It's a it's a damn shame what happened to him for another night. But um, that show started at seven thirty. We didn't get out of there till almost one in the morning. Was it a great show? Yes, from top to bottom. That was 2004. This is 2022. Yep. You did your 
pre-show at 6 is when all of that started to happen. I'm, I'm not sure what time they put the first pre-show By match the way, in the ring. The Go pre-show uh, was, I want to say it was closer to quarter after 6, 630, because they did do some vignettes and shit. And then you came out and saw Danhausen Hook, or what do they call it, Hookhausen now? Hookhausen. They refer to that. Hookhausen, I believe I heard somebody call it. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty, you know, anytime I get to see Hook in the ring, I'm not complaining. Um, so we started that at like 6.30. Pay-per-view goes live yeah. at 7. I am not sure what time that pay-per-view went off the air. I know that the, and I'm going to say this now, and we're not going to, we're not going into full review now. We're going to here in just a couple minutes. But that Anarchy in the Arena match went way too fucking long. Way too long. There's not much good I can say about that match. I like, um, I mean, everyone told you got to do a hardcore match. But do you really have to have so many guys in it at once? I mean, and, it was it was a little bit of overkill. Um, it's like Cornette said. I didn't re- listen to his full review or him and Brian Last, that's his co-host. They said, you started off great, you ended great, and everything in the middle was caca. Uh, I wouldn't say completely, but I know about the last two to three hours, I was just like, is it an event yet? I'm like, oh my God, I'm so freaking tired. When is this going to be right. over with? Now we're going to fast forward to this uh, segment that came out because after the pay-per-view, if you're certain AEW talent, you have to stay around, uh, stick around for the two-hour media scrum. So let's say this event, for all, all things considered, ended at 1, PM, 1 a.m. And now we'll, we'll give them midnight. I'm sorry, I, I looked at the clock wrong. Midnight Central Standard Time, which means, uh, let's see, they were in Vegas, so they'd be a couple hours behind. Um, 11 o'clock, maybe. Punk yeah. is the new champion. Punk has to stay there for two hours and answer these fucking schmucks questions. Does anybody see how this is a problem? I thought, I thought Punk did a fine job answering the questions. Uh, um, given right. the fact that... Just- Knowing him from from the indies and such, um, he's grown a lot since he was doing indie shows. Um, he 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 doesn't necessarily love the media in all cases, um, but he didn't like go off on a tangent on the media, um, like the owner of the company did to the point where yeah. he literally had them to stop. That bothers me. There, there was a media scrum, and there has been a Twitter war going on between CM Punk and Eric Bischoff, and Eric Bischoff and and Tony Khan, and it all the, the root of this of it is this: Tony Khan made some pretty nasty comments comparing AEW to WCW, and at one point said that uh, Ted Turner would have been a better booker that WCW would still be around. You are on Turner Network fucking channels, and you have the balls and the gall to say something like that? Like, Eric Bischoff was so pissed. Like Turner, he had, Turner had nothing to do with the downfall of WCW. Really? I mean, what, what did he do? What did he really have to do with that company falling apart? 
He just was a money backer. You know, Tony Khan is the money backer and is making mistakes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if you're in glass houses, don't throw stones. Don't do it. Um, That's my take. And, and Bischoff has made appearances in AEW over the years, over their three years. He's been there. He, it's not that he has a personal beef with Tony Khan, but he has claimed, and, and Sin and I agree on this, they don't have a long-term plan the way WCW did when, when you know, Eric Bischoff was handed the news, hey, you're going to be going head-to-head with Vince on Monday night. What? And he did a good job of it. 83 weeks, baby. You know, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, say what you will about Eric Bischoff, but, you know, um, he did everything he could. So Now, do I agree with Bischoff's comments that uh, Punk has been a flop and he sees him as the biggest no, financial Punk flop? Um, it's not that he feels that Punk is a flop, no, talent-wise well, or anything. Can I put this in a promoter's perspective? From yeah. a promoter's perspective, um, Bischoff brought in Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Bret Hart, um, made the monster that became Goldberg. Uh, yeah, Punk doesn't seem like much to him because when wrestling was huge, think about the names he had working for him. CM Punk's huge now, but he does not have the following of like a Hulk Hogan or Randy Savage, or Bill Goldberg. There's a huge difference. You know, Bischoff could look at the ratings of AEW and be like, oh, I crushed those. And, and, and it's so not I even mean, that it, it's not that he's looking at it from that perspective. It, it boils down to, are we looking at ratings or are we looking at revenue with Bischoff? And, and this is when him and, him and Conrad Thompson – um, got into a fight, which Conrad hosts a lot of the shows with the guys that he's doing ad-free shows with, and they go up on YouTube with the ads. But, you know, Conrad had some very valid points because he's got friends at AEW, and Eric has worked there. Do I agree with all of Eric's statements? No. No. 100% no. I have worked with Punk. I've, I've met Punk. I've had conversations with Punk. Sin has met Punk. I mean, do we agree that maybe they have not done a good job of, of you know, um, how do I want to put this? There's only going to be a limit that you can obtain with CM Punk. This is why, like, guys like Daniel Bryan were added and, and things like that. But we have also said, uh, Sin and I and even Katie, that um, some of the booking has not been the best um, with some of these guys. You, you see some – we talked about Eric Rowan. I'm just using that as an example. Is he as big a star as a CM Punk or a Daniel Bryan? No. But let me lay this example down. We have brought guys in, ex-WWE guys, and we'll get to MJF's fantastic promo from last night later on here too. But you're bringing yep. guys in. You're not – you don't know what to do with them because at the end of the day – while Tony Khan has some great ideas, I will give credit there where it's due. He should have never been in charge of fully, fully booking this product. Ever. No. No. Do, do the, no, do the uh, Young Bucks, do the young bucks really and Kenny Omega 
have influence over his booking decisions? Yes, we've seen that. Did Cody before he left? Yes, we've seen that. But at the end of the day, you have people that are working for Tony Khan that are happy to take his money and will look at him knowing that what he's asking them to do is shit and not say anything. And that's what harms the wrestling business. And that's why I can agree with some of the statements that Bischoff has made like, They don't have a long-term plan. We're going to see where this goes. Uh, Bruce Pritchard just put out his first uh, public comment about it. He says, we're going to see where this goes. There's been a a lot of people that have, you know, and and he speaks truth. We had WCW. We had ECW. We had TNA. um, We've had Impact Wrestling. Everybody, Everybody thought they were going to be the next big thing. You know what I mean? All those companies. There were fans that were diehard ECW fans. So much so that when the Fed bought it, they tried to relaunch it. I mean, AEW kind of reminds me of a very niche, bigger version of ECW. It's smaller than WCW, a little bit bigger than ECW. It's somewhere in the middle there. And they're, they're not they're they're not pumping on gets them some more ratings, but punk I think is around what forty two forty three. That's Punk's what I not meant. Gonna be that, there 10 years. That's correct. Yeah, he's not gonna be here ten years from now, like you were saying. There is a long term. MJF could be their long term guy, but obviously they can't treat that crap out. You know and what I mean? So who would have it? Here's why Tony Khan is dangerous as a booker, because I want to out this, and I don't think since heard it. I wish I could have got it uploaded. We've, Sin and I are going to have a meeting to work on uploading some new clips, new music, all of that to our studio here. Um, but the original plan, the reason that Paige became champion is because two years ago, Tony Khan planned this, and he didn't adapt yeah, to the yeah. time. You got to change. Do you think uh, before Ultimate Warrior showed up in WWE, they thought he was going to be going over to Hulk Hogan clean at WrestleMania 5? Hell no. We never saw that coming. What it would boil down mean? to, and Sin and I could speak, speak of, uh, from this as promoters. If you notice that something is getting hot, you change direction. You pivot. Not to say that this idea that you had can't happen down the line, but you pivot. Totally and agree. Tony Khan does not have that ability. He doesn't. I, I And I said this a couple of weeks ago, and then we're going to go into our AEW review of this pay-per-view. But in terms of everything that I'm seeing, you have agents there that I've worked with, and I got into one of, into it with one of their agents uh, last year when I worked with Brian Blade, Mr. Christopher Daniels, um, we just divulged that in one of the programs that I came back here and did with Katie, and she she was appalled. She was like, I can't believe he spoke to you like that. I said, it's not that he just spoke to me like that. You're going to ask a special needs girl to run your merch table and not buy her something to eat and a drink. I, I, yeah, right. I don't care how big of a star you are. Some of the companies in the olden days where it was a hot dog and a handshake, we used to joke. Be like, oh man, don't go work for that guy. He's a great guy, and the promotion's good. But you're gonna get paid in a hot dog and a handshake. You know. I mean, I don't care how big of a star you are all around the world. 
when somebody is going out of their way to help you, you show some kind of gratitude. I don't, I don't care what kind of star you are. That really pissed me off. And I met Christopher Daniels before, and I know Steve worked with him, uh, Steve Kane, and, and this and that. That I've always kind been a of, fan of the guy, but I've never met him. I that just rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, eh. But getting back to this AEW thing, he's an agent there. Billy Gunn. Uh, I think Road Dog might be there now, or that's the rumor. Uh, Jerry Lynn. Well, I heard, last I heard Road Dog was still doing Fed stuff. Did he get canned? I don't know. I know uh, Dave Heroes got him on an upcoming event, and uh, Road Dog and Billy did a interview together where they were talking about uh, when they I sent Billy out of the out of the company, where you know he had said that he <laughs> wanted to punch the living shit out of uh, uh, Triple, H Triple H when he called AEW. What he said about AEW. Before right. AEW came out, H, which which he even said he understood, H had to say something. You know right. what I mean? But to kind of like be inducted into the Hall of Fame and then have like one of the higher ups of the company just kind of smash where you're going before it even starts is kind of shitty to do. And it's yeah. and it was only because the crowd was chanting AEW. Because they were happy for Billy. Right. <laughs> you know? And every You've time Billy to... gets inside, I think Billy feels like H wants to take it away. Every time he gets anything. And he took uh, that moment away from Billy. You have Billy Gunn there. You have Jim Ross. You have Tony Schiavone. Uh, you have Big Show, which let's give credit where it's due. Big Show has been around a long fucking time. Uh, 94, so 95. What are they doing with them? What are they paying them for? That's it's the same question with Mark what Henry. Is, yeah, Mark Henry. What does Mark Henry do? Show up, eat, eat in the back, maybe uh, film a couple segments with them. You know, that's that's about it. You have people there that have a great understanding of what wrestling is, what wrestling could be, and what it shouldn't be, and nobody has the balls. And I, maybe this will be the thing to get Jim Ross fired, but I think in Jim Ross's old age, he's, he's being more humble. Uh, Jim Cornette has said there's got to be segments on that program that make uh, Jim Ross feel like there's spiders crawling down his spine. I'd have to agree with that. I've never met Jim Ross, but from the people that I have had communication with on this program and other programs that note Jim Ross, I I don't. I don't know why nobody will stand up to Mr. Tony Khan and say, look, this is shit. You need to know this is shit. Let us rub your face in this shit and let us have a couple weeks. Let us book your TV for a month and a pay-per-view and show you what this could be instead of what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Because, and I because really think JR is the guy that he should turn to. Because I really do. You, I, don't, I think he needs to get JR in his ear. And straighten him out. Because if you listen to JR, even when he commentates, there's moments where he's just like, oh, the ref just totally let this one break down. You know what I mean? Or he'll sound or he'll say something that's questionable. You can tell he's watching the product and even making comments that are kind of a little underhanded, you know, towards the product he's watching. And when you got JR doing that, you, you probably should think, maybe I should rethink about some of the things I do. People at AEW, from my um, analysis of this, are happy to get a paycheck and will never step up 
and be a voice of reason that, as to, okay, maybe what you've done has worked for three years, but now what are you going to do to get to year five? Yeah, and exactly. and it's it's sad. Now he's getting back a, to this front, he's paying a lot of, paying a lot of guys money. That that like I stated earlier, it's not just Mark Henry and Big Show. He's brought in a lot of guys that like. Why are you paying them? Finley, we saw. Um, Finley, we well, just well, saw. Yeah, Finley. Yeah, uh, what about what about um, bringing in as they call him now, Johnny Elite, formerly William you know, Regal. William Regal. William, well, William Regal at least has my skills, but he, he's so not aggressive now. <laughs> and he just let Jericho bury the Blackpool Society so bad on the mic. And, they, and then they go fight a battle, and Jericho's in it, and Regal's like, well, I'll just stay here. I wouldn't want to cause any trouble. He says on the mic, and I'm like, that is not the William Regal I know. <laughs> you know? Well, but at a, as a booking perspective, William Regal did legitimately come from fucking England. He knows how to book wrestling. He should be writing that program. You've got two programs on cable a week. Tony can be advised by somebody on one, maybe the Rampage show, considering it's, all, it's only an hour. There should be a new booker in charge of AEW Dynamite and the pay-per-views, from my analysis. Well, I mean... Or at least he should bring in other guys like Vince has done his whole life. I mean, if you look at one, WWE was super hot and took off. You can't tell me that guys like Patterson, Briscoe, JR didn't have a lot to do with that. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, getting back to this Friday night. Surround himself with those guys. Getting back to this Friday night war statement, uh, 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 Tony Khan went on a tirade claiming oh, they had won. Yeah. Uh, the, the Friday Night Wars when uh, the Fox had a mishap and, and people didn't tune in. But here's the facts. Uh, Sin, what did you tell me? SmackDown's drawing like 2 million people on average? Yeah, I think, I think uh, I've heard Jim Cornette, Cornette say um, on average they have about 2 million viewers when they're on Fox. So AEW so, consistently... I, is between the 750,000 to 950,000 mark. They sometimes break through that million, but it's very rare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are just, they just, they get destroyed on an average. You know, when uh, it was on FX for a while, or sports, I'm sorry, it was FS, Sports 1, Fox. Yes. Um, it was. It wasn't the spot where they needed them to be. So, I mean. It's it's one of these things I, where. I, don't know what to say. I mean, when they got on Fox, there's no way, no way they got beat on ratings when they were on actual Fox TV. Well, and here's yeah, the other I, thing. Here, he has, Tony Khan has made so many comparisons and this and that, and, and whether it be Vince McMahon or Eric Bischoff or Ted Turner, or um, I'm surprised he's not said anything about Paul Heyman, but I think the, the, the little bastard is wise enough to realize that Heyman won't, Heyman would rip him to shreds if Heyman were to see something posted a, 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 about this child comparing himself to Paul Heyman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think Paul would consider it a compliment to be compared to Tony Khan. There was 
there's a very big difference in their philosophy in wrestling. Um, no, no, speaking of like Paul Heyman, they could have got Paul Heyman instead of having that be the Blackpool Society and called them the Extreme Society and had to be Mox and Daniel and stuff. Yeah, maybe that would have worked. You know what I mean? <laughs> but they need to get that crap over. He knows how to. You know, and that's no offense to William Regal. You know, Regal was much better in NXT as, like, a figurehead than he is now as a leader of a group of brutes. You know what I right. mean? Um, so, we're going to start with just a side note of AEW Rampage last week. Our good old friend. Oh, do I still have this on the soundboard? Please let me still have this on the soundboard. Aww. Let's hope so. You're not Aww. doing your job, Joe. I'm calling you no, out. No, it got it got deleted, but I, I did have Gangrel's epic music here on here at one time, and uh, he made his appearance. He came out with the Young Bucks, who actually turned on him, and uh, and he was saved by the Hardys. A reformation, uh, not a reformation, but a reunion of the original Brood, all minus Edge. Um, you know, it it was and Christian. Okay, Edge and Christian. Christian was not out there for this. That would have been. Like, even more stellar moment. Maybe Tony Khan didn't think of it. Um, but then we go to Double or Nothing, the pay-per-view that wouldn't end. Yeah, yeah. Um, love Double or Nothing. Uh, and can we bring that up now? I would like to talk yeah. about that thing. Yeah. Well, um, and- there was a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there was a lot of good things that came out of that pay, specifically. Um but it, they, they, they needed to trim the fat. Uh, as we stated earlier, you can't have a five, six-hour pay-per-view. I mean, sure, you're trying to give people their money, but it's 30 bucks. I'll watch, I'll watch a three, four-hour pay-per-view for 30 bucks and be completely happy. I, I don't need more than that. $10 well, an hour was, for wrestling, that's a pretty good deal. Uh, this was 50 bucks in six hours. Well, I was about to say, I, I actually found where I could download it on some of my streaming services for as low as $30. So uh, I do, know I we, think it's 30 We do not condone that the actions on, of piracy. We just, we just want to clarify that. No, 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 no. Any... I'm not saying piracy. I'm not uh, talking about piracy. I'm talking about their direct links to websites. Now, you wouldn't right. have been watching it on TV unless you hooked your computer to it. But I don't know about you. My laptop hooks into my TV. Yeah. So I could have paid thirty to get it on the internet, and then just hooked my computer up to my TV and watched it, which isn't right. pirating, totally legal. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, they for if even at fifty dollars, if they would have want four hours for fifty dollars, would you have complained? No, I would have been fine with it. They don't have to go this long. So I all mean, right. I don't understand the logic of the uh, length of that video. All right, uh, you, can call, you can call in at our listener line uh, to talk about this AEW review. We'd love to hear from you. Area code 515-602-9678. The guest listener line is now open. All callers are subject to screening. Um, we've, we've had to make that a rule because people have been naughty, as Katie would say. Um, this had an attendance of 14,459 people from the, uh, T-Mobile arena in paradise, Nevada, not even Las Vegas, paradise, Nevada here. Um, I want to point something out. WWE had trucks 
LED billboard trucks that went around this venue promoting their pay-per-view that is coming to Vegas in July, Money in the Bank. I thought that yeah. that... Yeah. They um, did downsize the way they're running that show. Money in the Bank did switch venues, which I'm guessing is due to towards lack of sales, potentially. Yes. Just yes. because wrestling, they, they, they thought it would be bigger in the area for WWE, and it wasn't. Um, but still, I, I, I honestly think they're going to draw as many or more than um, Double or Nothing did. I think Money in the Bank's still going to pull 15,000, 20,000 people live. We're we're going to start this. We're going to start off this talk to remind everybody that we were swindled all over the weekend. There is, we just got to clarify. There is something going on between MJF and and Tony Khan. We don't know. We really don't know. Don't we'll know get to the. We'll get to the promo yeah, last, from last night later real. on. But I don't um, know if it's a weird thing, the real thing, which is kind of cool, but potentially kind of really bad for them. Yes. Uh, we'll get into that here in a little bit, but know this: he did not make Fan Fest. He, there was a lot of speculation all over the wrestling sites. I even sent some of it to Finn and Katie. Um, man, we we were all under the assumption, man, if he doesn't show, what is it going to do to this pay per view? Like this is one of your stellar. It might not have been a big main event, but people wanted to see this. They had built this. Yeah, yeah. Um... Like I said, I really just found myself wanting to get to the main event. Wasn't disappointed with Punk at all. Hangman Adam Page was okay. Um, I, I really think Punk carrying him a little bit helped. No, I'm talking you know about the I MJF mean? situation with uh, people wanting to oh, see Wardlow MJF. Okay. Um, oh, where MJF. We, yeah, did, we didn't know if MJF was going to be at the pay-per-view. There was a lot of speculation. I mean, and, and let's and be honest here. Uh, what? Then he was a curtain character. Yeah. Um, Didn't they put that let's, let's, first? Yeah, let's analyze this for, for real here, though. If he wouldn't have showed up at that pay-per-view, their buy rate may have tanked. They may have made – I don't know that they would have done refunds on tickets, but their buy rate, if MJF had legitimately not showed up on that pay-per-view, you would have had people calling their cable companies and, and the, whatever demanding a refund. Because this happened back well, in the day with WCW and Vince. They put a Go lot ahead. of money into that match. Um, look at all the TV time they were given. Look at all the matches. The steel cage match with Spears. There was a buildup. They did a lot of stuff to put themselves in a position where this was going to be a big match for them. And then, you know, they, they actually, didn't they taken off a site or tweeted about it or something at one point. Yeah. They've taken down a lot of the stuff that it wasn't you know, people. And that was the thing. Like he didn't show up at fan fest. Now they're deleting tweets and, and shit like that and stuff from their website and other websites. What is going on? Because exactly. this, this, this from a promoter standpoint tells me that MJF. And I, I said this to sin. I said, I believe that MJF has saw his worth as what it is compared to what it was three years ago. And I don't believe that Tony Gunn is willing to do business to renegotiate yeah, I mean, that number. No, no, he's, 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 him and Punk are the two highest drawers in that company. I don't think that could be argued. And 
I guarantee you, there's a lot of guys. Hunt probably should be making more than him. Of course, he's more experienced. He's he's a well-known entity. But what about some of these other guys? Do they deserve more than Tony Khan? Or than Tony Khan? I'm sorry, than uh, than uh, MJF? Um, do guys like I don't know? Uh, I, do you think MJF's getting paid that much more than like a? Uh, um, a Johnny Nitro per match? No. Probably Sadly, not. No. And what what did they bring in uh, Johnny Nitro to do? Job for a couple guys. You know what I'm let's saying? Break, let, let's break down this card in full. We're going to fly by this and uh, kind of dissect some of it that we liked and didn't like. Um, Hookhausen, Danhausen and Hook took on Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling that uh, Sin and I have worked with over the years out of Missouri. Um, in your pre-show, in five minutes, 20 seconds, the whatever smart Mark Sterling had on, Sin, if you can go back and find a picture of this, it was hilarious. He's like, what in the, my brother Talon is like, what in the world is he wearing? I was like, oh, my God. He had, like, it was like a silver bodysuit, like, from head to toe, and, like, yellow tights over that. I'm like, what in the God. But he was a heel. Yes, but he was a heel, so it worked. Your opening match, Wardlow versus MJF. Um, They buried MJF here, in my opinion. He took 10 power bombs. There was no need for that many. One and done. Very simple. One and done. I I, I don't know that Sin agrees with me with that. Well, you can have the ultimate comeback. Yes, but we knew MJF was going to lose this because they had spun it in a way where Wardlow had to win. Had to win. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there was no way. There was no way Wardlow doesn't win that. Yeah. Um, uh, and unfortunately, the booking was. Bomb? I no. mean, were they just trying to say, MGF, we're going to make you look good. Take 10 before you get pinned. No, I mean, WWE does that every now and again. Like the crossroads at WrestleMania. How many did he hit? Like three? Ugh. But. I mean, even that seemed extensive to me, and that was on Seth Rollins. You know right. what I mean? Uh, I don't think Wardlow, besides he is, needs to be doing his finisher ten times on a guy to get the win. It seems a little ridiculous to me. When Goldberg was over, you didn't see him jackhammer a guy ten times to beat him. Not even Hulk Hogan. One jackhammer, Hogan's down. And it goes back to finishing moves actually being finishing moves, which is a long conversation Steve Kane and I had uh, with other promoters that have been on this program. Like, one and done. Finish, I mean, sure, maybe two. that's it. If, yeah, maybe two if the guy's super over and you've got to do it. You know what I mean? But I don't see why you need more than that. Unfortunately, um, Khan booked himself into a booked himself into a corner here and had to let uh, Wardlow win. MJF is still hot. We we don't I, I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. You have the hottest fucking thing in wrestling that anybody could want right now, and you're fumbling. Great the ball. heel. Great heel. Um, then was the match that everybody, including Jim Cornette, said they needed to do as soon as they signed the Hardys instead of dragging this out. The Hardys, Jeff and Matt, defeated the Young Bucks. It was sad. It was – did the Hardys win? Yes. Uh, them going out there for 20 minutes anymore probably shouldn't be happening. I'm just going to be honest. 
It's not that yeah. I don't like Matt and Jeff. It's this. If they would have done it when it, as soon as they got the Hardys, both of them, and the Bucks came out and laid the challenge, I understand they wanted to get this on pay-per-view, but this needed to happen way sooner before now. Because the Hardys are, yeah. are – I am under the assumption the Hardys are taking independent bookings again. I know that for a fact that they're getting ready to wrap things up. And I think it's time. They've been doing this since 95, maybe even a little earlier. Yeah. Uh, well, I know Edge and Christian are my age exactly. So um, I believe Matt's older than Jeff. I believe, if I remember correctly, they're somewhere around five years younger than Edge and Christian, somewhere in that area. Five or just a bit over, maybe six or seven. Um, that's for Jeff. Matt would probably be within five. Um, Christian only works selectively. You don't see Edge working every week. Um, and meanwhile, you got Jeff Hardy jumping off of everything in sight and going through it every week. It just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. No. Uh, then it, then it was the it. match. It's the match that most people skipped. Skipped Jade Blue Gill. Uh, my brother called her greener than a, a, a pepper tree, um, as, as Jim Cornette would say. Against Anna Jay, and I love Anna Jay. When Anna Jay and this Dark Order thing, they really tried to push this down our throats. Anna Jay was great. Uh, Jade Cargill, on yeah. the other hand, I don't get it. I don't think I ever will. I, I like this is not a a Japanese schoolgirl that Kenny Omega would be obsessed with getting a, a, a push here. This is somebody sees something in her that nobody else can see, and most of us will never see. And I don't know that, that what they see, Mr. Tony Khan and, and Jade Cargill, is going to come to fruition the way that he thinks it is. Because people are getting sick of this. Yep. I, I don't see – sometimes I just don't see where, they're, where anything's going there. They do things I, don't, I, don't, I just totally don't understand. I don't know where it's going. You know what I mean? The it's, next it's, match – House of Black, Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews, Brody King. I love their, their, the way they did their makeup and everything for that. Against Death Triangle, oh, yeah. Pac, Penta, and Ray Phoenix. Um, what are we doing with this House of Black? This is another prime example. Malachi Black was one of the hottest things that they had in NXT that they brought up before they buried him. What are you doing with this guy? This guy should be having matches with fucking Danielson. I do a whole best of seven series with those two. It draw TV ratings, make it pay per view pies up. But we're doing the six man tag, and I don't. I Buddy Matthews was the former hottest thing with Seth Rollins, and we're throwing him into a six man tag. Yep. I don't get it. I don't freaking get it. Then ah. was the match that um, you know. Jim Cornette and Brian Last said, hey, we'll take Adam Cole versus Samoa Joe. We'll take Samoa Joe versus Kyle O'Reilly. Either one would be great. Yeah. What we will not accept is what we will not accept is Adam Cole going over. And they had a very valid point here, and I want to share this with Sin. He may not agree with it. But the booking of Adam Cole in this company has been shit. Um, Here's the weird part for me. I knew it was bad when he got there. Um, when I tuned in, you got to realize he had already lost that title match 
when I started yeah. watching, or it was just right around when he had the title match against Paige. Um, if Punk wasn't there, I kind of think he might have won over Paige. <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised. But he's lost now in this giant rift of former WWE guys they got. And it, the whole the whole group that was so dominant in NXT seems like, well, yeah, they're, they're still important, but you get that feeling. You know what I mean? They're, you, get the feeling, you get the feeling they're not the Young Bucks. They're not the Jericho Appreciation Society. They're not the Blackpool Combat Club. And that's it. Yep. It's sad. You have some great – now – do I like Adam Cole as a talent? Yes. But all things considered, Samoa Joe should have won him. this uh, Owen Hart. That's a whole other subject for another day. Yeah. We've, we've yeah, talked about that. having an special. Now, the other thing is, Tony Khan bought an extra hour of pay-per-view time to be able to give Martha as much time as she wanted on the pay-per-view. Just want to clarify that. Okay. Just want to clarify that because that was put out there publicly. I don't know that I would have done that. I would. I. I don't think she was necessarily uh, bad or anything. I wouldn't say that. Um, no, it's not even that. It's it, it's it's this we knew was going to be something that either people were going to accept or was going to wrong, uh, rub some people the wrong way. It's done a little bit of both. Um, you're opening a fresh wound for a lot of people. And I don't. All right, folks, if you want to hear the remainder of this program in its entirety, call in now at 515-602-9678. 515-602-9678. We are going to roll over with our review, uh, finishing our review of Double or Nothing and a quick review of last night. Um, but I, I, I just don't know. I, this was a gray area when they even announced it for me. I'm like, well, eh. um, when you, Adam Cole had the pink uh, uh, black on, and then we got the um, we got the um, House of Black, um, you know, or, uh, Britt Baker wearing that, and it was just one of those things. Like, I don't know. Um, you you knew who was winning when you saw those them come out in that gear. It it was kind of a dead giveaway. Now, with the Dr. Britt Baker DMD and Ruby Soho match, I would like to see Ruby win this. Britt's been their champion. I would like to see times. Ruby win it. But um, I can get where they went with it. They wanted the couple to be the winning team. I did like that yeah, from a looking standpoint. All that good stuff. So, just to remind everybody, we've had one, two, three. Three tag matches up until this point, and we've got, it uh, looks like two, maybe three more. Um, so now we've got American Top Team, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, Page Van Zance with Dan Lambert against Frankie Gazarian, Sammy Guevara, and Ty Conti. Okay, this could have been pulled. That's one of the matches I'm talking about. Uh, no offense, just uh, could have been pulled. Didn't have to be on pay per view. And this is your I second mean, six man tag in the night. TV. Yeah, you know they're just trying to 
get all the people that are paying to be on there. It sort of feels like. I don't know how to describe it other than that. This, uh, this match they threw on last minute, but I would have rather seen this than the match previously. So if you were going to eliminate one from the pay-per-view, yes, I would have eliminated uh, American Top Team. I like Frankie Kazarian. I have always thought he's the talent. I like Guevara. Um, but this could have been pulled to have Kyle O'Reilly versus Darby Allen. That was a damn good match. Yeah. Or just kind uh, of been pulled for time restraints. You know what I mean? Uh, and then they could have aired it on TV. I mean, it was uh, a great match. But with this lineup, did it need to be on the card? Not really. Thunder Rosa against Serena Deeb. Thunder Rosa retains the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, this went a little long, but it was good. It was good. Um, Serena just lacks charisma. <laughs> she is a hell of a talent. She just does not have a lot of charisma. Oh, by the way, did you see that picture that uh, Punk posted with her? Uh, no. Did they do an old... Uh... Throwback? Uh, Punk posted a picture of them saying basically two new two new champions are going to be crowned tonight. So, you know, <laughs> Punk and her. Right, right, and right. right. Going, they were standing by each other in front of the entryway before they went on air. And Punk posted it before the show went on. So uh, I just happened to catch that on the internet and thought that was funny as hell. I think it's cool that she mentioned the week before she had shaved her head for the business, which, of course, is in relation to what she had to do to be a part of um, CM Punk Straight Edge Society. You know what I mean? Uh, It's cool that her and Punk both had a title shot the same night. But, you know, um, I don't know. Do you really think she's at that level that she should be competing for Women's World Championships on $50 pay-per-views? She was the former NWA World Women's Champion. I don't know what happened to their connections with the NWA because I would have gone with Camille here from the NWA um, to face Thunder Rosa. It would have you could have bought the rating here um, in doing that, giving them a good rub and, and gotten a girl in there. Maybe it's not that Serena Deeb sucks. I'm not saying that, but no, no, that, she's a great talent. She she was a trainer in WWE, if I remember correctly. Correct? Yeah. So, I mean, where did it all go wrong? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, in any way, shape, or form, I was, I was kind of disappointed uh, in the build. I mean, the build is part of the match. You've got to build yes. it, too. Yes. Um, uh, there was then, no good build. Then for our one, two, three... Four, five, fifth, I fifth, fifth tag team match of the night. We had the anarchy in the arena, and I just, that's when I gave oh. up. Okay, hold on here. That's when I was just sitting there going, oh, my God. Why can't we just get to the middle of at that point? I'm like, I've worked hardcore matches. You know me. Mm-hmm. I, I worked hardcore. I'm not going to bash hardcore. I'm not going to say I didn't love some of the things they did in ECW. Or uh, Hell, I'm not even – anybody who knows me knows I wish I would have retired after I worked Bad Band Pondo in that super 
gory hardcore match we worked. Um, I have no problem with hardcore. But once you start getting more than two or three guys in there, like maybe you could do a three-way dance in hardcore, it really works best with two guys, not even tag teams. I mean, TLCs work with tag teams, but true, like, anything goes, hardcore kind of stuff, just works better with two guys. Um, you know, if you want a tag team so a couple guys can get a breather to keep the action going or a three-way dance to do that, that's fine. But how many men were in that match? Like 10? 10 men. 10 man tag. 10 men. The cameras are jumping all over the place. Guys are bleeding. You don't even see what cut them open. It, it wasn't that entertaining. Uh, it just really wasn't. Eddie Kingston, I, I don't get Eddie Kingston at all. I'm sorry to people who are fans of him out there. I know he has a strong AEW following. I don't understand what's good about Eddie Kingston. He bled. Okay, that's entertaining. Okay, he keeps complaining that he had to start drinking again because Jericho burned his face. He's like, look at my face. In one of the interviews, I'm like, yeah, you're not burnt. I'm looking at your face. This is horrible. They should have bandaged your head or something. You know what I mean? Because it made no sense. Uh, there was so much about this angle that makes no sense. I, I just don't know what else to say. It it was a very horrible match, and then we got match tag team match number six, a three-way tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championships, uh, Jurassic Express against Keith Lee and Shave Strickland against Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Stark. Now, let me go back to what this... Let me go back to this 10-man tag. This 10-man tag lasted almost 23 minutes on pay-per-view, yeah. let alone free cable. That pay-per-view, you Then you let this tag team match. Let, let's go over these times uh, one more time here. Match three, Hardys versus Young Bucks, almost 20 minutes. Uh, the first six-man tag. Uh, 16 minutes. Second six-man tag, almost 13 minutes. Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb, we already said they could have shaved time off that. That was almost 17 minutes. This Anarchy in the arena again, 23 minutes, roughly. This, six, this three-way tag team match went almost 18 minutes. Why? Wow. Uh, I can't answer that for you. Because <laughs> I don't understand that kind of uh, psychology that goes into that at all. I really don't. I wish I could. Uh, it's. I don't think a lot of the. A lot of. I would have to think the commentators had to be pre- pretty miserable, wouldn't you? Yes. If you had a commentate that long of a show, and try to sound upbeat and exciting and make every match sound great. I mean, they were asking a lot out of, what, Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, and uh, JR. They're asking a lot out of those guys. And, and, and this is why he had to buy an extra hour, because instead of shaving time where he could, we gave everybody the, all the time that they wanted. Your new AEW World Heavyweight Champion is CM Punk. This match went almost mm-hmm. 26 minutes in itself. 
That's fine. That, that's the main event. That is, that's, that's your one acceptable one. That that could go up yeah. to thirty minutes, and I'd be okay with it. With Adam Page, maybe not. I mean, was it a good match? Yes, but it, it, I don't know because everybody had their doubts about Hangman. You even had your doubts about Hangman. You're like, I don't get him as a champion. No, he doesn't. If you want to build a company that's going to be competitive, that's going to win those Friday Night Wars, as Tony Khan says, if you want to build something that's competitive, um, Hangman Adam Page is great, but he's not your champion to do it if you're trying to compete with WWE. And I want to point something out here about this whole compete with WWE thing. Jim Ross said something very clear and very sensible before AEW opened. Um, He was being interviewed, and I was watching it. I believe it was on Hannibal TV or something. Um, And JR basically said, well, no, we're not competing against WWE. That that would be ludicrous. We're just giving more options. He's like, to say we can compete with an entity that is at that level already starting before us is ludicrous. You know, and he said that. Three years ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think that still holds true. I mean, you look at the numbers. You look at the names. Um, if you walk up to somebody on the street and you go to them, hey, do you know who Brock Lesnar is? They're going to go, oh, yeah. Isn't he like the WWE heavyweight champion? Because he was not that long ago. And you walk up to him at the same time, he had Adam Page was AEW champion. And you go, hey, do you know who Hangman Adam Page is? They're going to go, who? <laughs> you know, your average fan. Or, I mean, or people, yeah, are, I mean, people that may even be average fans in it now because of how the game has shifted with not well, allowing uh, um, uh, Cody to leave. They're going to be like, oh, you mean that, that, that company that Cody had something to do with and then they let him go and now he's a big star at WWE again? Yeah, right? Who got the better deal out of that, by the way? In the long run, that's going to be an interesting thing to follow. Who's the better investment, Cody Rhodes or CM Punk, for which company? What do you think? What do you think it's going to turn out to be? Um, I want to hope for Punk, but I I see Cody, and and this is why. Because Cody, I don't know what the the disconnect was. Obviously, it must have been over money, and Cody's smart like his old man, his daddy. Um, that's the roads on that, but the thing about it is this, Cody knows when all of those contracts are up, Cody has a lot of connections. I don't believe that Cody leaving burned any bridges of him being able to make a phone call and going, Hey pal, Vince wants to talk to you. Yeah. Right. Dangerous. I mean, uh, Cody has a long, much longer shelf life at this point too. Let's not I believe so about too. that. I I can't see Punk wanting to hold the title for three, four years or anything. Whereas I can see Cody in the next five years maybe having two, three world title reigns. You know what I mean? Maybe some smaller title reigns in there, too. We started off Uh, last night. CM Punk teaming with FTR against the Ass Boys and Max Caster. Yep. That was a damn good match. Yeah. It was. The, those guys uh, Those guys actually really impressed me. Um, uh, I'm talking about not just FDR. FDR, of course, um, impresses me. But 
uh, the job that um, was done by uh, Bill Gunn's kids, the Gun Club, as they call them, or the Ass Boys, as I prefer. As JR, as JR calls them. Yep. The Ass Boys, uh, man, those kids got talent. Oh, man, I, I just, man, if they would have won into NXT and the WWE, being second gen of Billy and being able to carry the name, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. Worked for Randy pretty well, didn't it? Right. <laughs> you know? So, uh, I don't know. They're very talented good. guys, though. Damn good match. We get a post-match, post-match uh, promo from Prunk, and out comes Tanahashi. And as they explained to Sin, Tanahashi defeated Jericho um, back at one of the Wrestle Kingdoms within the last couple years. And Tanahashi was never given an AEW World title shot for that win. He feels that he's entitled to a shot at CM Punk at Forbidden Door for the AEW World title. Um, I know originally Sin was not sold on this pay-per-view. I want to see this match. I want to see, are we, are, uh, because here's the thing about this door being open. Are they going to use the new Japan talent? Are we going to make them job to everybody? Now, obviously, you don't want to end the summer of punk this way. Um, but you have, a, you have a great talent in Hiroshi Tanahashi that, you're going to put him on television, you're going to get those New Japan people to tune in. So there, there, there's that. I see, I see assets of working with this. Do, am I fully sold that this is going to be a, a great pay-per-view? Let's see what the rest of the card is going to be first. Um, then we get the, the, the greatest promo that I have heard in probably the last 10 to 15 years by anybody. Um, like Sin and I were sitting here this that. Yes, Sin, Sin and I were sitting here this afternoon, just like jaws dropped. I'm going to let Sin talk about this real quick, and I will be right back. All right. Basically, what we have here is MJF comes out. Seems like a normal heel promo early on, you know, very Miz-like, I would even say, in the fact that he's like, oh, yeah, what well, do you guys don't like me because I don't break people's necks or – I don't do this, or I don't do that. But yet, I get the highest ratings on the show, so I must be doing something right, kind of ad. Correct. Very Correct. Hill. Well, also makes some serious valid points, because, and you know, like I just said to you earlier, I'm sure this guy is not happy with what he's getting paid, compared to some no. of the other talent. No. And he, he did not come in. He did not come in part of the click-like group of guys with the young bucks and, and Cody and those guys. He didn't uh, really. I remember, I remember when they did the press release or a press conference down in Florida announcing that this was going to happen. Um, I, I looked at him and I was like, man, this son of a bitch is cocky. And I didn't, I didn't know him yeah. from Adam. And, and I, I asked Rika and I was like, who the fuck is this MJF? He's like, go look at some of the AAW footage. Go look at some of the MLW footage. I was like, Oh my God. And at the time that they signed him, he was 23 years old. He's not underutilized, but he's underrated. I'll give you that. I mean, sure, they shouldn't have done to him what they did with Wardlow, but he's he, he's getting a lot of TV time. He's getting a lot of heat, even after taking those 10 power bombs. He came out on the pay, and, God, he cut 
the best promo since I've seen the promo cut by uh, Cody Rhodes on Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. You, you know what I mean? This has been the hottest one since then. So, um, anyway, continuing on, he does the basic heel spiel. And then it starts getting weird because he keeps taking pot shots at Tony Khan. Whereas where this worked with the Stone Cold Austin thing, because, you know, it's the owner taking it out on a wrestler, a wrestler bashing the promoter doesn't do you any favors, really, with the way that promoter's perceived. Correct. So if that, any of that was planned, that's not good. That's bad booking. Now, to take it a step further, he straight up just says, I don't want to wait to 2024. Fire me now. Please, fire me. And they still don't kill his mic. So then he proceeds to really lay it on, just just hammering Khan, hammering how much he hates to be there, and they finally shut the mic off. So they finally kill the mic. Um, whatever. Um, I had watched an extended version, I guess, that did not air because it happened during the commercial break because they killed the mic, cut the commercial. Had to, Correct. really. They put themselves in that situation. Um, if this is a work, I'd really impressed that they go through this much shit to, to trick people. Uh, I don't. I think it's way too much shit to try to impress people if that's what they're doing. Correct. Um, um, he talked, he, he slammed the mic down. I mean, those mics aren't cheap, guys. No, those are expensive mics. And he just whipped the thing down after they turned it off. He was pissed. And on the stuff that I saw, actually, during that commercial break, CM Punk does start to walk to the ring with a look of like he looked when he was in UFC. Maybe he didn't win any UFC matches, but he trained to be a UFC fighter. You can't tell me Punk probably couldn't dismantle MJF if he wanted to. MJF smartly jumped out of the ring, jumped over the guard railing, and laughed. Don't know where he went after that. Would be curious to know. But that's really how that segment ended, and you never got to see it on TV. Correct. So they're not bringing him and Punk because they sent Punk out there to, to fucking shut him up, or Punk went on his own, and he just bolted. I mean, I, that's what I got out of it. Correct. And, and, and look, I, I, well, but then you also have to remember that they just had a few that they abruptly ended. So is that part of it? Is Is Punk going to stand up for Tony Khan and – like I told you earlier, are we going to rekindle this feud at uh, the the next big pay-per-view, all in or all out, whatever the hell they've named it? Um, in I don't think that's going to be back in Chicago. I think they're going to be moving locations on that this year. But that raises that question because, look, I'm 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 be real with everybody here. I believe if they lose MJF, you have handed, other than Cody Rhodes, the number one most valuable player in uh, Tony Khan's repertoire. We haven't put the world title on MJF yet. If he goes to WWE, now he's feuded with uh, Cody in the past in the inception of the company. If he goes to WWE and they put the belt on Cody and now MJF is there, you have just stole all the AEW fans because people are going to want to see that match. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I, I I don't know. I don't know. What do you do with him now? Did he put himself in position to get fired like he wanted to? 
I mean, is that what he actually did? I mean, he actually got some mites time. I mean, he didn't just didn't walk out like Sasha Banks and, uh, you know, um, Naomi. He took the time to get his words out on the mic just like the Fed let Punk do, and the Fed didn't dump Punk. So maybe AEW doesn't dump him. Maybe they're like, oh, this guy's super over. Maybe we get Tony Khan to get somebody to, um, you know, maybe we get somebody, Tony Khan, to get somebody to wrestle his fight for him. Because let's face it, MJF versus, you know. Um, It'll be MJF Khan versus It'd be MJF versus Big Show. Really? You think so? I, I, well, he's the, I mean, he's the biggest guy in the company other than Samoa Joe, and Samoa Joe is your ring of honor or whatever, so you don't really want to involve him in that. But I, MJF versus Big Show. You ain't been, done shit with Big Show. Do something with fucking Big Show. If anybody can get Big Show over in AEW, it's MJF. Yeah, Got to make right. that point clear. Uh, we go to Johnny Elite versus the returning Miro, the former Rusev. Yeah. And uh, uh, Miro picks up the win with a monster. I was very kick. sad to see that was his opponent. <laughs> I really <laughs> like him as a wrestler. As soon as I saw Rusev come out, I'm like, oh, he's jobbing again. I wonder how much they're paying him to job, by the way. <laughs> uh, probably more I than they're paying MJF. That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering, like, is MJF making less than, like, Nitro per match or whatever, Elite, Johnny Elite per match? Because, uh, this is getting sad. <laughs> yep. Um, then we had the setup of what has been announced. They're doing this again. Jericho Appreciation Society versus... Um, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club again. It'll be on free television this time at the end of the month. Blood and Guts too. Yeah. And, and um, what's sad? What, but... What's sad is I believe they will continue in this in a best of three to where it ends in football fuckery three. Football sure fuckery not. three. To see him going that way because they, uh, Cornette said that in the media scrum, Cor- uh, Jericho is patting himself on the back for all these grand ideas that he's had for Tony Khan in AEW. And some of them have been just absolute garbage. Like, okay, I showed Sin from the first ever Blood and Guts match uh, with MJF in it, by the way. Um, Jericho falling onto the stage, quote unquote. Bad. Yeah, it looked bad. I mean, it was so set up, first off. And then on top of it, the fact that Jericho broke through a very thin layer of what looked like some kind of breakable thin wood material, and there was a crash pad underneath. Yeah. How are you going to sell it as being hardcore when you're taking shortcuts like that? You know, that, that's all I got to say about that. Um, I don't, I don't get it. Um, no offense, Jericho, but man, he is not looking the best lately. I, um, I said that myself. He hasn't the best. No. When he started, um, 
<laughs> when he showed up, AEW, that was like they got. AEW knew. They knew. And everybody knew. When they signed Jericho, that was going to be their, their champion. That was the guy they were going to go with. La Champion. You know? So, I mean, what was it? Just a mere few years, two, three years before he came to AEW, the WWE was toying with the idea of keeping the belt on Kevin Owens and then having uh, Owens main event WrestleMania against Jericho, which never happened. Right. Right. You know, (laughs) now it just seems like, is it just me or over the last, what is it, three years, I would say, does Jericho just seem like a whole step slower? than he used to be. Well, and, and, you know, everybody's everybody's like, oh, well, he can't be as great as what he was in ECW or Smoky Mountain or uh, WCW or any of that. And it's like, yeah, but Tony, Tony Khan paid Chris Jericho a lot of damn money and is taking Chris Jericho's ideas instead of taking the guys with maybe a little bit more creativity like a Jerry Land right. or um, uh, Jim Ross. It's not to no, say that. Go ahead. It's not to say that Jericho doesn't have great ideas, but we have gotten the inception of football field fuckery, which was a, something to give Jericho. We gave um, Moxley the lights out match to begin with, and then the fucking barbed wire fart. Um, we. We're doing uh, uh, Blood and Guts again, which people wanted that. That was going to be Cody's love child. Cody was supposed to be part of it because of War Games. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. I, I really – and there's been all of these Jericho celebration or this or that, and it, we're giving Chris Jericho too much fucking airtime, and it's, not, it's time somebody said that. Um, he's a veteran. He is there to get a win here and there and put your fresh talent like an MJF over. That's it. The end. That's what he and, and, and that's what CM Punk did. Well, Punk won, won the title. He, he got he got uh, he got um, he, he got uh, MJF over. He did the honors to him. He didn't go on to be the champion and be undefeated. He lost. So. You know, um, Jericho kind of went straight up to being champion, and then, you know, it's weird. You say he can't lose a step. The Khan family owns a football team, correct? NFL. Yes. As a matter of fact. Yes, the the Jaguars. Now, are you telling me, are you telling me if they signed a running back, and he was in the middle or towards the end of his prime, but there was a definite upgrade to them compared to what they had, and they signed him to a five-year deal, let's say. The guy, the guy has one really good year. And then, um, you know, he, uh, he the running back, let's say, just the second year, there's a, a pretty big decline. The third year, you're like, I think I could get a lot better of a running back in the, in the draft. But what are you going to do with that guy? You're, you're, you're going to help your salary cap, and you're going to trade him. You're going to cut him. You're going to do something to get rid of him for the least amount of money that you can pay him that was on that contract. Okay? 
why don't they look at Chris Jericho the same way? Either they they treat their football team that way. Why not the wrestling program? Um, I'm just saying. That's correct. Their next match was Christian Cage. That's uh, unfortunately when you had to leave this afternoon. And this appears to be some kind of fuckery. Uh, Christian Cage, Darby Allen, Jurassic Express against and Matt Hardy against whoever he H I K U E L O an undisputed elite body fish Kyle O'Reilly, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson. So another fucking ten man tag. Why? God. Um, because uh, they had they um. Uh, remember when WWE had too many guys and everybody was complaining. The, yeah. And then they started cut guys, budget cuts. Everybody's like, "Well, they're making so much money now. Why do they have to have budget cuts?" Well, um, because that's what you do when you have too many people on your roster. You unfortunately have to let some of the some of the ones go. Even if they're making you money, if they're if you're spending too much on them, you know what I mean. That's why they do it. That's the point of it. Um, WWE realizes this. They run themselves like a business. There's t- times where Tony Khan just doesn't get it. He's like, he believes, oh, I'm a fan of this guy, so I got to make sure he's relevant. So let's put him in this match with these three other guys, and then put this guy who I want to still be relevant in with three other guys that I'm trying to keep relevant and. Yeah, we'll give them, like, 15 minutes so everybody gets a chance to be on the show. You can't run a wrestling show that way. It's it's just not a good um, – it's just not a good business in general. I'm surprised. This is, this is 20 pounds of shit on every pay-per-view they have, every TV that they do, in a five-pound bag. You had 13 matches on that pay-per-view. Thirteen! You know what the rule is? I agree. Most, ind- most independent promoters, everybody's is a little different. At one time, I used to believe in nine. The reason I say nine is because if I'm going to do a battle royal, my normal card number is eight. Why is it eight? Because it's an even split. Four matches, intermission. I can do three matches and then do the 50-50 before the main event. To hype the main event. And you're doing 13? I, I, I'm shocked and appalled, really. Um, so we got that. Then we got J.D. Drake, which is the, the guy that Sim took one look at and goes, man, if they're going to book him the job, I could get a job in AEW. <laughs> if they want to, you know, if AEW wants to pay me to get all fucking beat up and gory with blood, you know, I'll be more happy. As, I'll be more than happy to take them to take uh, Kingston's spot because, I don't understand what's so special about him. Um, so, J.D. Drake against Wardlow, obviously, we're giving Wardlow the push to the moon. Powerbomb Symphony, I hope that wasn't another ten of them. Sure. Awful. Um, Britt Baker. Um, Britt Baker. And hold on, I'm going to take this home real quick. Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter against Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. Ruby Soho and Tony Storm pick up the win. Danielle Garcia <laughs> against Moxley. Um, Moxley picks up the win o- over Daniel Garcia, who they signed from NXT. And 
they're burying. He should be. He should not be with the Jericho Appreciation Society. They could do so much more with him. Great talent. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us for this week here on Rampage Rants Thursday Night Turmoil. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. We did roll into some overtime tonight. Be sure you listen to this show and previous shows in their entirety. We can be found www.blogtalkradio.com backslash ERN radio for all of the archives. I am Sadistic Sean David along with my co-host here tonight. I am Sin. Uh, we will be bringing you updates next week. Sin and I are making an appearance June 13th in Chicago. Um, I told everybody last week the end is coming. We'll have more on that, maybe even a video promo before then. Stay tuned, and we will see you next week right back here on the Evolution Radio Network for Rampage Rants, TNT on ERN on BTR Live. Good night, everybody, and have a great weekend, great first weekend of June. Pride Month, baby. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.